What, in your opinion, are some of the most important traits or behaviors of excellent sales leaders? Hmm. It's great. The, the list is long. Uh, well, I wouldn't say a list is long. I would kind of bucket into a few different things. Uh, so, um, obviously, keeping a level of inspiration, optimism, positivity is is critical of any leader. We lead the the charge, right? So, if you're not out in the front lines doing all the right things, um, your team won't follow. Right. So there's a healthy dose, dose of that. And, you know, a lot of your principles, um, you know, uh, upgrade, low grade, replacing low grade thoughts, all that stuff starts foundationally with sort of a leader. Right. Uh, but also I would I would caveat that is balancing uh, with some checks and balances of reality, ensuring no steps are skipped. You're not overly optimistic. Right. Uh, all important leader leadership principles. Right. Uh, so I call it sort of healthy paranoia, being optimist, uh, making sure we're tracking in the right way. But also, you know, we're, we're, we're taking a couple pauses along the way to go, OK, we're all fired up. But are we missing anything? Most of us never learned how to train our brains, which is why most of us needlessly settle, struggle and worse, suffer. My name is Chris Doris, and I want to make brain training mainstream. This is my series, Tough Talks, Conversations on Mental Toughness. I'm interviewing badasses from all walks of life on what mental toughness means to them and their unique approaches to strengthening their minds. Hey everyone, welcome to Tough Talks, Conversations on Mental Toughness. I'm your host, Chris Doris. And uh, before we get to our uh, guest du jour, uh, our one housekeeping item, as always, is if you aren't getting the daily dose mental toughness tips in 30 seconds or less delivered to your email inbox every day of the year at around 6 a.m. your local time, wherever you might be on the planet. And if you're not getting notified, if you're not getting my blog posts, which come out every Tuesday, and then if you're not getting notifications of these new podcast, Top Talks podcast episodes, which come out every other Thursday, then all of that can be virtually effortlessly addressed in one fell swoop by going to ChristopherDoris.com backslash lists, L-I-S-T-S, or you just go to ChristopherDoris.com and it's right there on the right side of the homepage. Put your name, your email, click, and you get all the goodies. So... David Del Nero is the name of our guest today. I've known David for uh, probably somewhere between 10 and 12 years and have watched him just kill it in the enterprise software industry. He is now the CRO, Chief Revenue Officer of Black Swan Data. And I'm, he's been really instrumental in, in, in the evolution of my career. I mean, like really instrumental. So I'm really, really grateful for this guy. He's a good friend and he's a phenomenal leader. He, he takes leadership very seriously. And he's a, he's a damn good human and, uh, and was also, uh, is actually still quite the baller. He's a hoops player. He's from back east. He's a Jersey boy too. So um, although he's from North Jersey, so it's like a different thing. Anyway, uh, let's go find him. <laughs> David Del Nero, where you at, buddy? My man, David Del Nero. What's up, brother? 
What's up, Chris? CD or yeah. whatever? What are you going by these days? CD, anyway. I go by CD. What are you going by these days? Uh, what, whatever you want to call me. So let's go. We'll go DD and CD. DD huh? and CD. Do people <laughs> more people call you David or Dave? Uh, no, I, I, so my mom used to call me Dave, so we, we don't do that. It's, uh, it's David. <laughs> that's, that's funny. So David, that's so funny. Cause it's the opposite for me. You know, my mom, uh, called me Christopher. And if anybody calls me Christopher, I say simmer. <laughs> simmer with that shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're on David. Yeah, the other way you, you're taking David. it all. all right. Well, I mean, you name the nickname. I probably have seven of them that I could probably. It started with Silky D in high school, which we won't get into too much detail. I was smooth on the court, Chris. So that was it. And then I don't know. I had a bunch of. I was the Dollar Man in college and all kinds of stuff. So Dollar Man, were you selling T-shirts? No, no. It was. uh, I was. I was cashing checks on the court. That's what I was. (laughs) Oh, did you? uh, Did you have any rise? uh any what rise any ups any jumps but yeah i can honestly up until last year i could probably still dunk so it's uh that's impressive yeah, yeah. and you know my height you and uh-huh. i've been together many times so yeah. think about that vertical my that's, friend that's impressive bro <laughs> that's nice but it's uh right. it's going it's going the other way at this point in my career so trust well, me well, what 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 direction is your? Well, your career is going in a very good direction. Okay? Oh, yeah, yeah. Professionally, I'm okay. Yeah, I think right uh, personally right. on the court, it goes the other way. So yeah, man. So you are now the CRO of Black Swan Data. Why is it called Black Swan? Uh, so uh, obviously the the ideology and the theory around black swans is that it's an anomaly, right? And and um, the founders uh, Steve and Hugo had determined that uh, because of what we do in the market, we go find the anomalies um, oh. that companies, product companies aren't really looking at. Uh, so hence the reason for Black Swan Data as uh, sort of the ideology around the technology and the automation that we provide. We find things that you maybe aren't aware of and or uh, think of it as an anomaly. So that's, really cool. that's, that's very creative. I like that. It's neat. Yeah, we're in this uh, automating automating market research for uh, for CPG companies and product companies, and enhancing and improving the products that you go to market, and improving your innovation journey across the board. So, how would you describe the sales environment these days? Uh, yeah, so um, hyper hyper competitive, very challenging, uh, obviously because of the economic pressures that we're all going through right now, and oh. across the globe, not only here, um, it's intense. So you have to have the right level of aptitude, the messaging, the value, the outcomes, um, all of that, your, your, your company narrative and what you're providing to the marketplace needs to be tight and needs to be very succinct in terms of um, you know, the value narrative to your companies. So it's challenging, it's tough across the board mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Tough. Tough talks. That's you got it, man. That was nice. That was not that was not rehearsed, folks. That was not rehearsed. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's, so it's, yeah, the podcast called Tough Talks, right? Because uh, it's all mental toughness, right? So let's talk about mental toughness then, because it's a tough set of circumstances. So we need toughness, right, to thrive. All right. So um, <clears throat> so give me some examples of like why is mental toughness? What does mental toughness even mean to you? Yeah. 
And why is it why is it so imperative right now for your for people? Yeah, yeah, because um, so there's so many there's so many obstacles, so many things that get in your way. Um, a lot of noise out there, quite honestly. Not a lot of noise, not only in people's lives, right, um, but also in the markets professionally. Um, a lot of obstacles, a lot of a lot of hoops to jump over. Like what things? Um, you know, hyper competitive budgets uh, across the board. Um, the fight for talent. Like if I think about uh, leadership and some of the things that I'm doing across the board. Uh, not only um, attracting talent, but retaining talent mm. across the board. I think that's a, a nice bucket we can kind of center it on for a little bit uh, because uh, it's challenging in the marketplace. Um, you know, uh, you know, people are looking for options. People are always looking where the grass is greener, mm. those types of things. So maintaining a culture and a thriving environment where people are happy and content Um and, and making money at the end of the day is, is a challenge for any leader in this marketplace, right? Um, you know, you talk to any one of my counterparts who are running sales organizations or sales teams, the number one topic is how do I attract talent? How do I maintain, maintain talent? And then how do I increase the throughput of the talent that I have, right? So therein lies a whole flurry of mental toughness, mental challenges, in terms of overcoming adversity, making sure you're creating a culture of positive reinforcement, but also driving results across the board. Um, so um, ton of, ton of challenge in the marketplace to actually make sure talent is front and center. It's probably the number one priority for me as uh, running a sales team is making well, sure. You, okay, so you just, you just catapulted us into what I was wanting to discuss later, but I wanna go there now uh, because it's, it's perfect timing. So the number, you know, it's interesting for me to hear you say that the number one priority is uh, attracting and retaining top talent. So how do you do it? You mentioned three things. You mentioned keeping people happier, content, and then the third was and, and making money. Yeah. All right. Yep. So, so what are you what are you doing there? Well, so to attract talent, you got to one, you have to. um you have to make sure uh, you're representing yourself in the marketplace as a destination, right? I was lucky enough to work for some amazing companies in my past history um, where uh, attracting talent was fairly easy. I think at Salesforce when I was there, I think the, the, it was the hard, it was even harder to get into Salesforce than it wasn't to get into Harvard. I think that was one statistic that they had because Seriously? The of applicants, yeah, the amount of applicants we had coming into Salesforce, it was a destination company at the time, right? Um, so uh, attracting talent wasn't very difficult there, but as we progressed, as you know, as we got bigger and larger and more complex. Um, that narrative changed somewhat where finding the right quality level of talent was, was a challenge because you had so many folks coming in. So um, I think it's making sure you have, uh, one, you have the right um, sort of message to the market in terms of what you're selling, how you're selling, um, those types of things. So there's a company responsibility in terms of attracting talent, right? And then there's also this referenceability, who's leading the teams, 
Uh, what are you doing to be successful? What's the culture of that team? Some of that stuff. And that's the onus of the, the leader or myself or whoever's running that team. Um, you know, the number one way to find talent is to get other people to refer others into your organization, right? So there, in essence, is there, if people are happy on your team, everybody are making money, the machine is working, they'll reference people in, they'll have others people reference in, and that's how we kind of attract the talent machine and the funnel. So there's an element there of just kind of outbounds, making sure that the market uh, and the messaging of your company and what you're doing and how you're running a team is succinct. Um, and that's attracting the right level of talent out there for sure. All right. Now keeping them. <clears throat> Once you get them, how are you keeping them? How yeah. you people happy? Yeah. So uh, a couple things. I mean, obviously, a lot of your philosophy and some of the things we learned from you is around optimism, positive reinforcements, uh, doing all the right things in terms of mental mindset. Um, you know, I have a, a big philosophy in terms of how I run the teams, right? It's basically uh, seek or inspire the why. Right. And, and I'll, I'll drill into that a little bit more passion, desire, innovation, how you challenge status quo, those types of things. So you want to seek and inspire that uh, in people. Uh, and there always has to be a why I learned in my hiring days. Um, you know, I'm not a big resume guy. If anybody has ever interviewed with me or talked to me, I usually toss the resume to the side for the first 30 minutes of any interview. And I want to really dig into the why. Why are you here? Why are we talking? What's important to you? Um, those types of things. But it's also important in terms of if you're on my team, what is the why, right? So and you want to- Can I slow that down with you for a second? Yeah. Sure. I do that all the time. I, I sorry to interrupt you, but I just I know that there's some real value in there, and I don't want to I don't want to cruise over that. So so let's let's slow this down for Scotia. So I'm going to ask you why about the why. All right. So why do you do that? Why do you? Like, what is the rationale behind your decision to put somebody's resume over there and get into? So why are you even here? Like, what's your purpose? Or yeah. Why yeah. do you do that? Well, because I, I'm so Chris, I'm seeking an extra gear, right? So most people put words on page on a resume, right? Um, they they, they kind of, you know, I've done this. This is where I've been. Here's the things that I've done, right? But what I look for is that extra gear that maybe isn't articulated on a piece of paper or um, usually isn't uh, in a series of, uh, you know, interview questions that HR delivers to you, those types of things. There's there's a tactic of extracting the why uh, out of somebody, not only in an interview and attracting talent, but also while they're on your team um, and making sure that we're maintaining a level of aptitude and desire on the team that elevates a culture across the board. Uh, so to me, the reason the why behind the why is I'm always seeking where is that extra gear in somebody that one maybe hasn't been tapped into because they don't have the right leadership or the mentorship or, or anything, uh, or they haven't been asked the question. Um, and, you know, I'm seeking that what is there behind this, the curtain that's motivating somebody to achieve, to do all the right things across the board. So that's the why behind why for me. Does that make sense? 100%. And I love the word. I love, yeah, it makes amazing sense. <laughs> So what are there's a lot of elements there, right? It, yeah. it, it's kind of defined by your level of passion, right? Um, 
you know, you played sports. I play sports. I hate to use sports analogies all the time, but you know, it's what I, I don't. do in life. Uh, you know, if I if I look at all my you know all my career uh, teammates across the board, um, you know, I could pick out of the ten folks that were on a court uh, at any given time. I could tell you there's the why that's there's certain levels of why in each of one of those teammates, right? And there was always these reasons why people were on the team. Um, and then some of them that just didn't have a desire or passion or for what we were doing was always on the bench. Uh, they didn't average points per game. They didn't do any of that stuff because they weren't part of sort of the why they were there. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I look at that from a team perspective and, you know, there's always we have lone wolves on teams is what we call it in, in culture and sales culture. Right. Uh, and being able to expose that and understand that uh, is critical to running and managing a team and motivating uh, the why and inspiring that uh, to to uh, to see that through. So those are critical elements. Now, when you're interviewing someone and you how would you articulate the question? How do you begin the extraction? Um. So, uh, you know, it's just kind of reading in between the lines. It's understanding, um, one, uh, why we're even talking, Chris, right? Uh -huh. So, you know, how, how uh, the number one question is, how did, how did we get to this conversation? Tell me uh, the steps it took to get here. Uh, and I want to understand, you know, were there some obstacles? Did you try a different way? Did you come in through the recruiter? Whatever it may be, because I, what I love is creativity, um, and and will then invoke the passion and desire for us to chat to talk. So ultimately, if you're if you're talking to me in any review cycle, depending on what organization, it's usually four or five steps before you got to me. So okay. I want to understand like why are how do we even come to this conversation and tell me the reasons why this is important to you. Okay, so is it likely that at this fourth step in the interview process that they'd been asked the question about why prior, or do you think that you'd be the first one sure. dropping that? No, I'm, I'm sure there might have been. If you know you're part of my interview cycle, that's usually where I weave that in. But um, usually, the answer I'm looking for is um, not to do with you know. You know, hey, I, this company is awesome. It's great technology. Uh, we really like what you're doing in the marketplace. Or I heard we, I can make a ton of money here. Anytime I hear money on interviews, I, I exit quickly, right? Because uh, money and earnings is an outcome to the steps to achieve, right? So, um, so really, what I'm looking for is the passion, desire. Um, you know, the, why you're leaving your current position, why even this is uh, a relevant position for you. Is there an uptick? Is this something that you're just looking for change? Is there just status quo in your life? Those types of things. I want motivation and the reasons why you're making change, right? So that's really the element of why I asked that question. All right. So we're actually in, you and I right now, in the conversation of how do you keep, once you've attracted, how do you keep the top talent? So, and then we got off a little bit onto the interview process, but, but it's looking for why. But, but you mentioned making sure that your people are staying clear on the why. And you also used the word earlier, desire. And I'm a big fan of that word. Uh, I'm a big fan of what the word means. Yeah, I'm a big fan of how powerful desire is as a source of drive, That's as right. a perpetual, inexhaustible 
source of motivation, determination, grit, perseverance, enthusiasm, confidence, competence, and all that good shit. So talk to me about that. How, like, what are some practices that you have in place to keep your people clear on their why, understanding why, why that's important and what their why is and all that? Yeah. So, um, so desire to me is defined as constantly evolving, um, changing uh, for the better, uh, but also challenging yourself, challenging status quo. I, uh, you know, I don't you know, look at my steps in my career and where I've been and, and actually the current role I'm in now is completely different from anything that I've done in the prior 15 years of my career. Um, I did it because I had a desire to evolve and a desire to change and take on new challenges and new opportunities. Right. So where I look for that in current team members is like, uh, what's your desire to change a market? Uh, to change the way a customer perceives things, those types of things. So that's an inherent trait that I look for in, in talent, but then also exposing that and maintaining that across the team and then sharing that in terms of best practices, those types of things to really, really go change sort of a market and a category and, and uh, sort of uh, the technology landscape. What, 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 in your opinion, are some of the most important traits or behaviors of excellent sales leaders? It's mm, great. Uh, the list is long. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't say a list is long. I would kind of bucket into a few different things. Uh, so um, obviously keeping a level of inspiration, optimism, positivity is, is critical of any leader. We lead the the charge, right? So if you're not out in the front lines doing all the right things, um, your team won't follow, right? So there's a healthy do dose of that. And, you know, a lot of your principles, um, you know, uh, upgrade, low grade, replacing low grade thoughts, all that stuff starts foundationally with sort of a leader, right? Uh, but also I would, I would caveat that is balancing uh, with some checks and balances of reality, ensuring no steps are skipped. You're not overly optimistic, right? Uh, all important leader leadership principles, right? Uh, so I call it sort of healthy paranoia, being optimist, uh, making sure we're tracking in the right way, but also, you know, we're, we're, we're taking a couple pauses along the way to go, okay, we're all fired up, but are we missing anything? Um, you know, a, a great example. So U.S. soccer last Friday, you and I were chatting a little bit before that. Like, holy crap, what a great game. Uh, U.S. was starting and creating. They had control of the ball. There was optimism. I was fired up. I was waving my flag. And then for a moment, right, one possession, literally, it took one possession with the Netherlands. Bang, 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 bang. Goal. It was completely done, right? Mm -hmm. um, so my point being is optimism, positivity, controlling, managing, all that. Uh, if you don't maintain it, um, but with some checks and balances of making sure that we're doing all the right things, we're not skipping, we're not, we're not marking our man because that guy came out from the midfield and bang right in the back of the goal. You have to remember all that, all maintaining that with checks and balances, right? I don't know if that's a good analogy, but I'd say you're going to, this is, you're killing me right now because <laughs> one of the members of my team, her name is Marlote, Marlote, Marlote. And she's from the Netherlands. 
And we were, I was talking a lot of smack prior to that. I'm wearing my orange right now for you. Uh, she edits this. And I know she chooses which is the segment, you know, to preview. And I have a feeling that this, <laughs> this segment she's going to pick. <laughs> have fun. So um, now that's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know, I want to go back. You said you've got some cool phrases, healthy paranoia. And then even prior to that, you're saying something about I don't remember what you said, but you know, I'll tell you what you reminded me of uh, is funky article that I read recently on what people are calling toxic positivity. Mm. Mm. And I just shredded that in a piece of my own writing, because I think that's about the dumbest thing I've heard in a long time, because those two things cannot coexist. That's right. If it's, if it's legit positivity, how how's that? How? Could that ever be toxic? It's a joke. It's a stupid. So really what I think, um, what, what's useful to talk about is phoniness. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. I, there's some, there's a phrase that I learned from uh, Steve Chandler, one of my former coaches and one of the greatest coaches on the planet earth. The pessimist complains about the wind. The optimist is sure it'll go away. And the realist is like, it's a matter what you people, sets their sails and hauls ass across the sea. So there's three characters in that story, right? <clears throat> and 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 two of them are really weak, including the optimist, because it's like fake optimism. Oh, I'm sure this too shall this problem will pass. Right? So I, I actually think the optimist in that story of the three is the weakest of them. The pessimist at least has the balls to complain about, you know, to articulate their truth that this sucks. And but the realist, uh, which we could define as the person who's cool with what's real, who can work with all of reality, right. just says, "What's the matter with you people? We can create from this." So, <clears throat> healthy paranoia. Let's open that up a little bit. What do you mean? Um, so it's a bit of what you just laid out, right? It's a bit of each of those, making sure that, you know, because as leader, you need to keep a healthy dose of optimism, especially in this market. Um, you have to keep positivity high. You have to keep motivation very high, but not to sacrifice reality. Um, right, right, and right, that right. fact, and when I say healthy paranoia, I mean, don't be paranoid in the fact that like, oh shit, things are going to fall off the cliff and we have the negative consequences and all this stuff. It's like, no, no, no. Paranoia is in a good way, mm -hmm. checks and balances against the optimism to make sure that we are trending in the right direction. But oh, by the way, have we checked these steps? Have Did we mark the man at the midfield, right? As we're coming down, playing defense, right? All that stuff. So what I mean by healthy is making sure, okay, great, we're trending, we're gonna close this deal. Let's just open this up a bit. Let's peel the onion back. What could happen that we haven't anticipated? The, the unknown, as you call, the uh, unforeseen circumstances. We can't control everything that's gonna happen. At least we can model it and be ahead of it and be more proactive. So yeah. that's what I mean by healthy paranoia. Yeah, you're reminding me of so many things. like. When I was working primarily with competitive golfers, one of the questions that would come up is, if I'm in contention late on Sunday, should I look at the scoreboard? So the question is born out of fear. Like, the, my answer is, why the hell wouldn't you? You can't handle the truth? 
right? Like, you, what what data can paralyze you? Right? Well, why would you not want to know what's real? And and so what you're hitting on, Silky D. <laughs> is pretty damn important and it's about being authentic. So I, I've never heard the term healthy paranoia before, but I'm appreciating it because I'm, tell me if I'm getting it right. It means being cool with reality and being committed to creating from all circumstances. Like I wouldn't use the word paranoia because I don't think what you just described is, is, is like what paranoid means, right? You know, but But I get it. Yeah, which is like we want to be clear on reality, and we want to choose to have bring enthusiasm mm -hmm. and optimism into every every bit of it. Like we're going to create right now. You said it's challenging these circumstances that we're in these days, right now in the end of twenty twenty two, when this is being recorded, is a challenging set of circumstances for people to go sell expensive shit. Yeah, right. <clears throat> which is why it's more important now than perhaps it has been in the last decade maybe more i don't know yeah well i think it's um so we, we call it happy years right i, I know that's probably a common term right because I, I have reps that have happy years and we've had that um it's actually interesting and this is the the surprise i was going to give you um so you know we've known each other 10 10 years i think at least yeah uh, you know at minimum <clears throat> i still remember when we first had our, our conversation, Panera Bread at Tempe Marketplace, if you remember this. Yeah, man. Do you remember um, when we first met, the first thing that we interacted with? Do you remember at all? You have a really good memory, so I'm just going to test you on this so, real quick. At at Panera? Yeah. You were, you were here, I'll just answer it for you because we don't have time. But you were late to our meeting, our first meeting ever. <clears throat> and you vowed, you were literally a minute late. It wasn't like... Crazy, but you said vowed I'm never going to be late ever, ever again uh, since we've known each other, and you've never disappointed since then. So, but really cool. But I, I bring this up because um, I could share this with you. I, you know, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about doing this this podcast, and I was like, okay. So I started cleaning out some stuff in my office. I came across this like old crumply little thing, oh, and I'll share it with you. It was the first session <clears throat> you delivered to us. At um, again, I remember was it the Valley Ho here in Scottsdale? We did yeah. a first session where uh, you, me, and Shirts, uh, we had the team. This this was a note I had pulled out from my thing that I've kept ever since. Uh, and you see the little figure right yeah. there? Yeah, yeah, uh huh, a hundred million. You remember how you opened your session with us? It was uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the most? What's the most money? What's the most you know? money that you can imagine getting a hold of under any circumstance. In a year's time, yeah, hundred million. Okay, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm tracking. I'm tracking. I'm not quite there yet, but uh, but uh, anyway, I wanted to share this with That's you because cool, right here I have healthy, healthy paranoia. Paranoia, and what I got away from it a little while. Wow, started leading teams, and now it's kind of back into my narrative. How did that and, make it onto that page? Where that was that page? Now that was in a notebook that you were taking notes when we were doing a workshop at the yeah, Valley I mean, Look, it's like an old dungy yellow I piece. Love of it, man. Box, That's amazing. Right? This thing and is. And I don't know if you can read it, but you got the freedom formula on there and everything. 
I got think, feel, do results, which I still institute yep. that daily with my kids, with the people uh, that work with me and around me. But the one here, why I wrote healthy paranoia is it says anticipate adversity, uh, yes. which is really cool. Right. And then I wrote in parentheses, healthy paranoia, meaning check and balance and making sure we're doing all the right things, no matter how well things are going, anticipate adversity. Cause you can't dictate what the future is, as you always say, right? Yeah. yeah. So, That's amazing. Wow. The brain's about to explode. I know, I man. That's so great. You did tell me before we press record that you had a surprise, but you didn't tell me what surprise was. And that's pretty awesome, man. That's cool. Yeah. That's yeah. cool as hell. That goes back. Wow. I forgot that I was late. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a bunch of other stuff on here, but you I, know, I don't think I've been, I think I don't think I've been late for, I think I've been late for like two things since then. One was a flight. And and one was a meeting um, because I couldn't figure out how to use <laughs> the technology. <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, as my ex CEO Clary says, if you're if you're early, you're late. So it's uh, oh, that's cool. Good, I dig that. I like that. I'm I'm big in the punctuality. Um, well, you know what? Let me ask you this. I don't know what it's like in your culture, Black Swan, but um, you know some of the companies that I'm I'm coaching, it's pretty standard to have. Um, you know, Zoom meetings um, all abutted up next to each other, smushed on your calendar, a calendar packed, packed meeting from 11 to noon, meeting from noon to one, meeting from one to one thirty, <clears throat> And like, that's normal now. And I think that's whacked. Yeah. It, so is, 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 is that, um, Standard operating procedure these days in the it is uh, unfortunately it's, uh, you know I used to um, and I need to get back into you're reminding me right I need to get at back into practice my my schedule because we're a UK based company I'm based right. on the West Coast I, right. I'm up at 4 a.m. on meetings at 4:30 a.m. and they go until five in the afternoon so I'm literally working 12 hour workdays um, this this time until we get things in motion I'm only a couple months in. Yeah. Um, but there is a, you know, because we're a Zoom culture, a lot of companies go through this, right? But I think there are a lot of sort of programs and instituting 25-minute meetings. My CEO, actually, Steve, it's actually, he schedules five minutes after the hour to start meetings, um, which is really cool. So it gives yeah. some time and a little bit of energy. And, and one recommendation I would have for anybody out there and leaders is, Put some personal time on your calendar just to calibrate. Go walk. One of my reps who, um, when I joined, uh, was talking about uh, the level of, of uh, just pressure, those types of things. Um, and I told her, I said, you need to block either an hour and a half or 45 minutes in the morning, in the afternoon to just go take a walk. Um, and she actually took that and it's actually improved tremendously. So you know, there's, there's a lot of things in that uh, with benefits, psychological benefits by doing some of that stuff. That's sure. a, a huge point. Let's, let's have, make sure that people took that because if, if you're listening to this or watching this and you are in any industry where uh, you're, where it's customary, if you have meetings, meetings, meeting, 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 meetings smushed up, uh, two things that I just heard you say, Silky is uh as 
definitely what I'm referring to you <laughs> in my life. <laughs> it's now public out there, which is even crazier. So oh, you say it's so good, man. <laughs> I wish I knew that 10 years ago, man. Uh, one is uh, creating buffers however you can in your schedule between, even if it's just five minutes. So that's brilliant of your CEO. Good. For, that's great leadership modeling right there. Uh, and also um, something that a recent guest on the podcast, Joe Perone, who I call a time wizard, yeah, uh, mentioned is to schedule the most important things for yourself. Like what you just said, even like a walk. Yeah. Scheduling it. Yeah. It won't happen. So, and, and a lot of times it doesn't happen when you do schedule it. No, no, no. Actually, it's like scheduling it and being firm, saying no to anything that tries to get in there. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I'm literally going on a walk right after this podcast. That's like to stick to it because it's easy to deviate from that because, oh, it's most important. You are most important in your business, right? And making sure that you maintain and take care of that first. Um, and that's the one thing that we've all gone through over COVID and virtual stuff. It's tough. So, okay. So I have a, a little, this is playful, but <clears throat> really important because I, I'm working with a lot of people who are um, uh, afraid sometimes to say no to a meeting, to like go for a walk because they think that their um, boss is going to think that they're not committed. That that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's a culture thing. That's a um, that's a leadership issue, not not that person's issue. Like, um, you know, we're in a day and age where like we're balancing tons of stuff. Like, if anybody wants to walk a day in my life, uh, come on over and check it out. Like, my schedule is not only professionally packed but personally packed with a bunch of stuff. Um, so, if I tell my CEO like I, I need a half day off, um, you know, they'll be like completely fine with it. That's a culture thing. Um, but obviously we have to do the work and we've got to make sure we're not skipping things for the wrong reasons. Right. Right. But um, right. as long as all this stuff is being measured and the metrics are impacted across the board, if I could take two hours off in an afternoon, no one would blink an eye. Right. Um, and you also need to challenge people that are scheduling these meetings is that what is the role and what is the participation of everybody on these calls? Right. Um, I've been guilty of it. I'll be honest with you. Like I've scheduled people just uh, to have them on the calls. And then, you know, uh, one of the big, uh, the, the big factors of me in having team meetings and team meetings, everybody contributes, right? Uh, I get tons of these like, hey, I want to be on your QBP or quarterly business planning sessions with my reps. I'm like, okay, great. Well, what are you going to contribute? You're not going to just sit on a call for six hours and listening to the business without contributing something and providing some feedback, right? Okay. I got note takers everywhere. I got automation that takes care of that. I need people that are contributing to the success of the entire organization. So don't just sit on meetings just to sit on meetings and justify your existence and those types of things. So that's a huge shift when we're in this virtual world, for sure. Yeah, right on, man. So let's go back a, a skosh here to um, where uh, we started about 15 minutes ago, which is some of the most important leadership attributes or behaviors, right? We talked about the why, what else? Uh, so I got like three or four other things. I don't know, I think we got about 15 minutes left. I wanna make sure we're, we're capturing this, but uh, one thing, um, and I don't know if this is a trait. Um, I don't know how you define this. Mm. 
but don't dwelling in the past, um, mm-hmm. which is probably a really important topic, right? Uh, a lot of your principles is that we're, um, we're hardwired to our past, right? And I think the biggest, the one thing I've had, not only personally in my life is, you know, it's a simple concept, I think, over the years that I've just inherited and I think about uh, all my personal life. I don't, I don't have a ton of stuff. I'm not a collector. Uh, you don't, you don't see, you know, trophies on the wall, like, although I have a ton of them. I was all American for a couple of years. I did a bunch of things. Um, but, you know, I don't have a single one of them at home. I actually shed stuff like clothing, everything. I just, I, yeah, I'm a move forward guy. Uh, personally, I just, uh, there's not a lot of pictures everywhere. You can probably say it's a little impersonal of me and all that stuff, but I don't dwell in the past. I don't, I'm like, great. What got me there isn't going to get me in the future, those types of things. So, um, and I, I think that's sort of a mindset I've taken into the professional world is that, you know, uh, what's done is done. What's in the past is done. Uh, we can reflect, we can revise, but we quickly need to move on to sort of the next thing. And mm-hmm. how do we improve? How do we iterate? And how do we point towards the future? Um, you know, in sales, we have what we call quarterly business reviews. Uh, it's all about review, right? It's all about looking into the past. Uh, I changed the narrative on some of that stuff, especially uh, in the business and, um, you know, how we're, um, you know, winning new business is all about the forward looking future. So I think there's this don't dwell in the past. You could spend a little bit of time, but 80, 90% of your time should be forward looking, how we're, you know, capturing markets, what we're doing, how we're improving those types of things going forward. So that's sort of a key principle I've kind of taken into uh, all of my team team structure. So do you have QBRs or did you call it something else? Uh, quarterly business plans. We call them like forward thinking. QBPs. Um, P's, QBPs. And, and the great thing is, you know, because we have technology, company like I was, uh, I've associated with for three and a half years at Clary, you know, serves all that information right at your fingertips. You don't really need to go back and review and PowerPoint and dialogue and do all this kind of stuff. So the great thing is that automation and technology has now replaced the look back, right? So there's no more excuses around how'd you perform, what'd you do, build the narrative, all that stuff. We don't need to dwell on that anymore. Let's think about what your future is and how you're planning next steps on this deal we're tracking now, right? right? So I think there's a lot of out quarter forecasting, like in the fundamentals of running a sales team, there's the forward looking narrative that's more important uh, for companies that it is like, oh, what just happened? Why didn't we close that deal? All that stuff. Uh, the sort of the move on mentality is really what I've instituted across the board. And I think it's an important trait that other leaders needs to institute, right? Yeah, and not, but not at the expense of missing out on any learning. That's right. Well, learning should be constant, right? Um, it shouldn't be like, hey, we lost a deal. Let's wait three months to go review that. It should be point in time. What did we do? How did we do it? Um, what did we do? That we didn't mark the middle fielder, the balls in the back of the net. Like, oh crap, what did we do? Like, no, US, you know, got the ball, put it right back in midfield, said, let's go back at it again. Unfortunately, they got scored twice against after that. But so it, it's don't dwell on the past. I don't know how you want to categorize that, right? I use a, a tool just like that, which is called the post game routine, right? And you do it immediately as close to the end of the performance as possible while everything's super fresh. 
you know, and, and go ask the questions. That's right. Which, yep. by the way, which, which by the way, uh, happened. The questions happened to be three of them in order. One, how were we amazing? Two, what's the big learning? And three, how are we going to grow from it fast? Correct. I love that you said that. Not waiting three damn months for that. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And you, you've lost the memory mindset anyway. So good. Um, okay. What else? Last one. I, I would say uh, this is just a personality trait is having some humility, right? Mm. Uh, you know, I, I've been pretty successful in my career. Thanks to, thanks to you, uh, but also thanks to great leaders that I've worked for, the people that I've been around, the positivity and uh, my personal life, all that stuff. Uh, but that doesn't mean I'm great at everything. Right. And I think um, recognizing humility and and from a team perspective, what I would call plug your gaps or plug the gaps. Right. Um, of all the great teams I've worked for, everybody, um, there was always different personalities and different traits that people brought to the table from a leadership perspective. Um, you know, some people managed a certain way. Some people plug the gaps. Right. For for people that I've worked for. Um, I was a certain personality trait and all the people that I worked around were very different. So where the machine is cranked really, really well is when you have, you know, diversity in terms of talent and people and personalities uh, that really elevates uh, the organization. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, it's sort of an industry thing is like when you hire a bunch of yes people, um, right? That's, that's not a recipe for success. I think a lot of that stuff has been flushed out of sort of our cultures these days, but you still have some of that um, where they just, they're comfortable, leaders are comfortable hiring with people that align to what they think and how they think. I think a one common trait of successful, really successful leaders is having people challenge you um, and oh, oh. and humble you, right? Um, That's you. Know, <clears throat> a, lot of, a lot of leaders can't even hear that. They, they don't want to hear that, right? Because then it's, you know, the imposter syndrome and all that stuff. Like, hey, uh, I was hired to do this, but like this purpose, this person's going to outshine me if I put them in the light. No, um, that it should be the other way. My, 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 my working principle is that I hire people that potentially I could work for eventually. And I want to work for it, right? Um, and, you know, all the people that have worked for me, everybody that's listening to this podcast, uh, all the really, really talented people are all in very senior positions, either are CROs in their own right and doing amazing things. And that's, that's to me, is, is personal vindication that I've done the right things, I've nurtured the right talent, I've hired the right people. Um, so, it, you know, that that's one, one awesome thing, I think, from a leadership perspective. Humility, plug your gaps, diversify, hire people that elevate you. Uh, and not just tell you what you want to hear. Roger that, brother. Great stuff, man. <clears throat> There's some real gold in there. You know, I pledge to my Tough Talks tribe that every um, episode will uh, possess at least one gift, you know, a takeaway, a thing that, some, that you can integrate into your life, into your leadership, into the way you choose to live personally or, and or professionally. And you've brought several gifts today, my man. Uh, including that sheet of paper as a gift. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna write a little something. So I put a little bit of, I, yeah, there it there is. There you go. That's it. Un, right? Unlimited. Unlimited, baby. 
unlimited. I will never forget that. I will yeah. never ever forget that, Chris Doris. Well, Chris you know, Doris. just so for so we'll we'll, we'll uh, put a bow on this with that, which is the, you know that's from the question that I start many many workshops. I still do it. I still do it, which is what what is the what's the most money that you can imagine getting a hold of under any circumstance in a year's time. And then people write down their numbers. Yours was 100 million. And then I say, can you double it? And they always go, of course. And I say, well, you shouldn't because the question was, what's the most? And there's only one appropriate response. And the answer is all of it. But because of our conditioning, we don't uh, we don't think of that. So, yeah, I want to say thanks to you, bro. Um, I'll never stop saying thank you. I'm not even talking about coming on the podcast. I'm talking about more than that, man. Uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. But thank you for being such an incredibly uh, massive instrument uh, in, I mean, an enzyme in the uh, evolution of my career. Seriously, man. I love, hey, I'll take, I'll take being an enzyme today. I'm all about that. That's good well, you stuff. You set up my, my program big time, man, by introducing me, bringing me in, introducing me to some big wigs. And now you yourself are the big hitter. Big boss with the hot sauce, the gator with the heater, silky D. <laughs> yeah, I just I can't afford you anymore. That's the problem, man. I, I need some family discounts. Well, that's so that's our next subject. <laughs> I can't afford it. Never true. No. So Here's I, one thing. My one recommendation well, to finalize this is you need that measure impact, Chris. You have been a huge impact to me personally, um, and you don't even know it. We've known each other for ten years, but you have no idea the things that have you done for me personally um, and navigating this. And I, I thought about today, I was like, wow, you know, Chris is expensive these days because you are, you're fucking amazing at what you do. Um, but I was like, well, wait a minute. Um, I'm going to turn this on its side. What is Chris's impact then across the board? And my recommendation, you need to put an ROI calculator on your website. And awesome. go, I have generated how much, incremental revenue for a b c d e f g company um you know because you know you're you're into the cro community and elevating all of us across the board so action that today because i think you have made me millions my friends um not only in terms of revenue um earnings but just in terms of personality and uh and who i am to the world so thank you for everything Wow. You're my, you're, you're, I don't know if you're an enzyme, I guess I'll have to go figure that out. It might not sound as complimentary as I meant it, but <laughs> you speed up, you speed up excellence, brother. I appreciate you so much, man. Awesome. So yeah. Hey, if somebody wants to connect with you, is LinkedIn a good spot? Always uh, wide open. My cell phone is on LinkedIn. So wow. just call me, let's go. And uh, we're looking for hyper, hyper talented people over at Black Swan Data. So let's make it happen. You know, interview there. <laughs> Care about what your why is, and don't bring up money. That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. You're amazing. See you, buddy. See you, bud. So should I should I entitle this "Golden Nuggets from Silky D"? <laughs> I can't believe I never heard him. Tell me, I, I can't believe you never told me. I've never asked him before for a nickname, any of his, you know, old nicknames. Silky D, that's brilliant. Well, speaking of brilliant, so is he, yeah. So he is, um, <clears throat> he's a hell of a human being and a hell of a leader, which is, um, 
which makes it no surprise whatsoever that he's ascended so rapidly and that he is now a chief revenue officer. <clears throat> so, uh, I hope you got a ton of value out of that conversation with Mr. David Del Nero. And please do go, you know, it's David Del Nero on, on LinkedIn. And um, I can't believe he has his cell phone on there. That's amazing. So he's inviting you to connect. So do it. He's a good person to have in your world. Uh, so thanks for tuning in as always. And until next time, create miracles. Thank you.